This is the Pastor Podcast with Randy and Andy. Andy Payton is the lead pastor at Methodist Temple United Methodist Church in Evansville, Indiana. Randy Moore is associate pastor at Methodist Temple. Their goal is to see Christ in everything and everyone. Greetings, everyone. Come on in here. Pull up a chair. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or glass of tea or maybe even a glass of pure water, right? We're all, we all need to stay hydrated. I'm Pastor Randy Moore, and Pastor Andy Payton is not with me today. I'm sure if I had twisted his arm, he would be here, but I didn't want to do that. He is enjoying some well-deserved time off after Christmas. I think sometimes we can forget that uh, for pastors, uh, the Christmas season, while it is a wonderful time, it is such a busy time, sometimes we find it hard, uh, hard to worship, right, because of all of the activity that we're involved in. And so maybe maybe Pastor Andy is doing his worship uh, this week as he reflects on our services. And wow, they, they were really nice services. Um, have to brag on our church, Methodist Temple. I'm not going to name any names because I would leave some out, but we had three services because Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday this year. So we had a 10 o'clock service in the morning, and then we had our Christmas Eve services at 4 and at 7 and um, they were all just great. And uh, those Christmas Eve services are special. I like being at church after the sun goes down because it's different. There's a different mood. The lighting is different because it's dark outside. The candles are, are burning inside, and it just sets a perfect mood for it. And then we have so much talent uh, in our congregation with the voices and the and the instruments and Wow, it was just really, really good. And so still sort of savoring uh, that whole day. But it's still Christmas. You know, for uh, a lot of people, Christmas ended on Christmas morning uh, once all the packages were opened and uh, and the meals were eaten. Um, but that's what I love about the Christian calendar. Um the Christmas season started for us on Christmas Eve. It didn't start back after Thanksgiving or, you know, for the the rest of the world, or at least the rest of our culture. Uh, Christmas started at least after Thanksgiving, maybe even after Halloween, maybe for some stores even before Halloween. And then it just rapidly ends uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, but for the Christian church, it's, uh, it just keeps going. There are 12 days in Christmas, so we will celebrate Christmas up until January 6th. Uh, that's Epiphany. That's when we remember the, the wise men when they came and, and brought those gifts uh, to Jesus. Um, and so celebrate Christmas. Uh, let's continue the celebration. And so I thought what we would do today is um, talk a little bit about those services and uh, reflect on those on those three services. There was that uh, the Christmas Eve service at ten o'clock in the morning was actually um, fourth Sunday in Advent. It's just the way the calendar fell. It was not only Christmas Eve; it was the fourth Sunday in Advent, and so we try to keep true to the Advent season which is a season of preparation and anticipation and, and waiting. And so I had the opportunity on, on that morning to preach. And I preached on uh, a passage from Luke, uh, which is where the most loved, I think, Christmas stories come from um, out of the Gospels. And the fourth Sunday of Advent always looks at those events immediately preceding uh, the birth of 
of Jesus. And so this year, the passage was Luke 1, 26 to 38. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Every time I read that passage of Scripture where Mary says, Let it be with me, I think about the Beatles. <laughs> I think about the Beatles and that song that Paul McCartney wrote, Let It Be. And I especially am fond of that song because uh, back in 1970 when the song came out, shortly after that, um, some of my middle school friends and I formed a garage band. It was really a living room band because our garages were too small to contain both a car and a, and a drum kit. And so we actually rehearsed in Tim Madden's parents' living room where the piano was. <laughs> Uh, and it was not so portable. And so Tim uh, played piano and I played drums and Bob Britt played guitar and there were others who came in and out to finish our foursome there. And um, I'm sure that uh, we practiced and, and played other songs. We never did have a gig, but uh, the song that I remember that we always practiced and played there in the living room was Let It Be, Let It Be. And I remember thinking at some point along the way, uh, over these last many years, what Paul McCartney sang sounds a lot like our the gospel lesson that I just read, because the Beatles' Let It Be starts like this. It says, When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she's standing right in front of me, Speaking words of wisdom, let it be, let it be. And I thought, could that be, could it be that uh, the most popular band ever is singing about our Mary, the Mary from this story in Luke, Mary, the, the mother of, of Jesus? Others thought that was exactly what was going on, but when a reporter asked Paul McCartney about it, he said, no, uh, actually... The way it came about was uh, like this. He said, my mother, her name was Mary. 
and she died when I was 14 years old, McCartney said. He said one night he had a dream where his mother came to him during a turbulent time in his life and in his career, and the Beatles were just on the verge of breaking up. And his mother came to him in that dream and and said, let it be. Uh, But then McCartney added something, and I'm so happy he did. He said, but this is a song. Our fans can interpret it any way that they want to. And so it seemed appropriate to talk about let it be in the context of this lesson today from Luke. This is called Mary's Fiat, which means, essentially it means let it be. And so here she is, this teenage girl. An angel comes to her and says, you are going to give birth to the Savior. And she says, here I am. Let it be according to your word. And it strikes me that Mary is the model for all of us. She is the model for all of us. That should be our attitude. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be. Let it be. But I think there are two roadblocks that prevent us from receiving all that Mary has to offer us. And the first roadblock is that we're Protestant, right? I mean, uh, we're supposed to um, contest um, Catholic doctrine, Um, after all, we're Protestant. Do you hear the word in their protest? And so uh, relationships between Protestants and Catholics are much better today. Um, We have a lot in common, more in common than we have differences with our brothers or sisters in the Catholic Church. But um, but because uh, the Catholic Church um, holds Mary in a very high place, uh, she's referred to as Holy Mary and Queen Mary, Mother of God, the perpetual virgin. Um, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters pray to her uh, through the Ave Maria, for instance. And some of them even um, hold to the idea that Mary didn't die, but was uh, taken bodily up into heaven. And um, there are those, and it had been debated whether or not she should be considered a co-redeemer with Christ. And so... But as Protestants, we don't we don't go there. Uh, as Protestants, we don't find our authority in the church. We find our authority in Scripture, and so it um, we keep we keep Mary at a safe distance. The second roadblock is uh, is because we see Mary as the Mary of the Christmas card and the the crash and the carved stone. Uh, Mary is a biblical character so heroic that she she doesn't even seem real. And to the first roadblock, I would say that it's it's not necessary that we that we venerate Mary, but it is absolutely necessary that we emulate her. And to the second roadblock, I would say that we can emulate her precisely because she's not the Mary of the Christmas card, or the crash, or the carved stone. She was human. She really was human, uh, just like you and me. And you might say, but wait, wasn't she, didn't the angel say that she was the favored one? That she was favored? Yeah. But 
we are favored too, chosen, chosen. And so we have the same opportunity that Mary had to, to say yes, to say, let it be with me according to your word. She was human. She was poor. Uh, she lived and raised her son under the Roman occupation. That was, that was difficult. Her pregnancy was initially a scandal. She and Joseph and Jesus were refugees. Uh, she lost her son in a crowd. Remember that story? She lost her son in a crowd, didn't find him for three days. Imagine uh, a missing child. Imagine that. And the Bible doesn't say this, but it suggests that she, that she was widowed early in life. Uh, even today, it's not easy to be a widow. Then it was particularly difficult. And of course, Mary had to watch as her son, this, this one of such promise, was rejected, suffered, uh, and died. And so Mary suffered because she was human, uh, just like you and me. In the gospel lesson uh, today, um, this all plays out. This uh, little girl, really, maybe 12 uh, years old, maybe 13, no more than, no more than 14. And, and, and the angel comes and says that uh, you're going to give birth to the Savior. And she ponders it for a moment, uh, but she trusts completely. And she says, here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Um, the meditation that we did together at church on Sunday was inspired by a, a mystic, an English mystic who lived in the first part of the 20th century. Uh, her name is Carol Hauslander. She's a, a layperson, but a prolific writer of novels and devotions like like the one called The Read of God, which might be her, her classic work. Carol Hasselander was born in 1901, and she died too soon because of breast cancer in, in 1954. But she wrote this book called The Read of God, and The Read of God for her was a metaphor for Mary. Um, a reed is a tall, hollow grass, grows at the edge of the water, and it's, uh, it had many uses. One of those uses was as a flute. You could just, um, because it was hollow, you could blow air through it, cut in some stops, and you could make beautiful music. And uh, Carol Hauslander saw Mary in that, um, that she offered that hollow place in her, right? that emptiness inside of her, she offered that, that to God, uh, uh, that the Son of God would um, be born from there. Um, 
here's the one Houselander quote I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, she writes, the one thing that she did, speaking of Mary, the one thing that she did and does is the one thing that we all have to do, namely to bear Christ to the world. <laughs> I say that again. The one thing she did and does is the one thing that we all have to do, namely to bear Christ into the world. Mary said yes to bearing Christ to the world. And we can say yes to bearing Christ to the world. We can say yes to having Christ formed in us. Formed in us. Now, in case you might think I've gone beyond um, accepted Christian you know, teaching, <laughs> this is not uh, something new or radical at all. Uh, I could cite other scriptures, but I thought I would cite to you one of our favorite Christmas carols, which says much the same thing. The, the Christmas carol is, O little town of Bethlehem. And the, the fourth verse says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us. Oh, Lord, our Emmanuel. <laughs> so, Houselander defines that yes as conversion itself. And I, I think she's right. You know, when I got here um, last July the people of Methodist Temple were already reciting as part of the liturgy, really. I see Christ in you and also in you. Pastor Andy would say that in front of the congregation, look out and say, I see Christ in you, and they would answer, and also in you. For some, that seemed strange or wrong, and maybe they wouldn't, wouldn't do that. that. That's too much, but that is the, that is the message of the gospel. And that is the message of Mary here from this lesson that we're looking at today. Um, so Christ begins in us um, with emptiness. It, it has to begin there. There has to be that place. And we spoke of the emptiness of the, of the reed. Um, but just think about the communion chalice and what it might uh, represent. It has its own emptiness, but the emptiness is not purposeless. The emptiness, the shape of the chalice, that hollowed out reed, now this hollowed out chalice, uh, it has a purpose. Um, it's to be filled. It's to be filled with the life of Jesus, with the real, the real presence of Jesus. Um, but we're not, you know, here's one of the difficulties. We're not all that comfortable with, with emptiness. Just like we're not all that comfortable with silence. We get very uncomfortable uh, with too much silence, and we like to fill in the silences, and we like to fill the, the emptiness. Um, and in this regard, I think Mary does have one advantage over us, at least those of us of a certain age. We're not 14 anymore. 
by by the time you get to our age, uh, we have filled up that emptiness with um, all sorts of trivial things that we think might fulfill us. Um, but at Mary's tender age, uh, her emptiness was probably pretty empty. <laughs> um, but while that is a challenge, uh, we can't empty that place. Or I should say, God can empty it. It will allow God to, to empty out all of those things we put in that empty place inside of ourselves that is shaped for God, shaped for the presence of Jesus, shaped for uh, Christ to grow there. If it's full of other stuff, it can be emptied out. And it, it can be made empty again. And, and we can say with Mary, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. So Mary surrendered, and, and we can surrender. Is it easy? Of course not. It requires complete and, and absolute trust. Uh, and here's the thing. Christ was dependent on Mary for that then. Dependent on Mary to give him flesh and bone and blood and to bear it into the world. And Christ is dependent on us for that today. Uh, that we would receive the real presence uh, into our emptiness, be filled up by it. Let it displace anything else that's unimportant or trivial. And then, uh, after having taken the life of Christ into our lives, uh, we must carry it wherever He wants to go. In fact, there are places He would never go if we didn't take Him there. And so, God has sent us there. Because, but for us, Christ would not be there. So that's the fourth Sunday in Advent uh, meditation, that final preparation before Jesus was birthed into the world in that manger. Christmas Eve on that same day, we make a quick transition from our preparedness, uh, from our preparation uh, being made during Advent to that celebration on, on Christmas Eve. And we read all of the lessons, and I won't read all of the lessons, but just to jog your memory, I will, uh, I'll read the Linus part, right, from Charlie Brown Christmas. This is in the second chapter of Luke, in the eighth verse. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth 
peace among those whom he favors. There's that word favor again. It's not just Mary. Did you catch that? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace among those whom he favors. Pastor Andy is usually here with me, and um, we reflect on his sermon, and he can expand on it. But I will, I'll just briefly summarize the, the message that he shared on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. and then again at, at 7 p.m. And uh, he opened up by asking, are we ready? Are we, are we ready for Christmas? Are we watching? Are we, are we awake or are we still in the darkness of, of winter? And and he used winter as a uh, as a metaphor, not necessarily for um, how dark it is outside or how cold it is, but winter maybe as a condition of our of our hearts or of our of our spirits and. Uh, the, that kind of darkness and, and coldness and, and emptiness and grieving that we're in the midst of winter and maybe we'll never make it out of winter and we are never going to ever see, see the light again and that there is no, no future. And winter comes. Um, it comes once a year for us, right? It's a cycle. It doesn't happen with that kind of regularity in our lives, but uh, winter comes occasionally. Darkness comes uh, occasionally. And Pastor Andy shared that uh, 2023 was a, a long winter because it was the year in which his father was diagnosed with cancer and the year in which he, in which he died. And he shared that he longed... Um, pick up the phone and to hear his father's voice or or to see him father just jump out of the photographs of him and and be there with him and uh, that's the kind of thing that if we're not careful we just can continue to get stuck in the darkness uh, wondering if anyone even cares is anyone even listening it seems like the world uh, has grown cold in in that winter. And uh, Pastor Andy shared that that's precisely what was going on uh, when Jesus was born. The shepherds, um, they were the bottom of the barrel in, in terms of good jobs. The magi, so desperate for hope that they were watching for it in the skies. Mary and Joseph, you know, living under that Roman occupation, a hard scrabble life, just day to day trying to trying to get by. And and the events of her pregnancy alone brought a kind of darkness to their relationship before it finally gave uh, way to the light. But there was pain and there was darkness. And those characters we see around that manger, Jesus was born into that into that darkness. And um, but Pastor Andy said that it's Jesus who uh, helps us know 
that we can go through the darkness as he went through the darkness and his parents went through that darkness. And he's the one that says, yeah, I do see you. I do see you and I hear you and I love you. And Pastor Andy described, um, he wasn't the first to describe Jesus this way, of course, but he said he truly is the, the perfect gift. And the perfect gift is um, defined by whether or not that gift actually uh, shares a part of us when we give that gift. Do we go with it? And when someone shares with us, do they share a, a part of their, their life? And that's exactly what God did on that uh, Christmas Eve. He gave a piece of himself. And when that baby grew up, what did he do? He healed, uh, he fed, he forgave, he raised people from the dead. And Pastor Andy told the story, and his stories are always so good, and they often involve his children, and you can't miss when you're talking about children, especially when they're your own. And he said, their, their shelf on the elf, uh, their elf on the shelf, Andy, uh, got them tickets to the Nutcracker. And once the show started, uh, little Alice said, Hey, Dad, there's no, there are no words to these songs. <laughs> and Pastor Andy said, Ella, you got to remember the story. And use your imagination. Lean into it. Lean into it and become a part of the story. Say yes to it. And, and there will be miracles along the way. Uh, and, the, and the biggest gift that we get is when we realize that we have been created, you know, for this. And as we light the candles of, of Christmas Eve, um, we realize then that the light has been shining all along. All along, that light is shining. Even in those dark times, even when our story takes a, a painful turn, uh, God is there. And, and Christ is there with that light that lets us know we're not alone. And we have a purpose bigger than we ever thought it would be. And Christmas continues. You know, Christmas doesn't, it, it doesn't ever, it doesn't even end with Epiphany. It doesn't end on the 12th day. Christmas is a reminder of the incarnation, uh, the Word made flesh. Uh, that never ends. That never ends, and we can celebrate that every, every day of the year. Not just on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, not just through the 12 days of Christmas, but every day of the year. All right, so I thought before we close here, I'd give you a little bit of a preview on the first Sunday in, in Christmas. And so it is interesting. The timing of this works, works out almost uh, perfectly because our uh, scripture lesson for uh, the 31st of December uh, happens eight days after the birth, about one week after the birth. <laughs> so the timing is almost perfect. And it, it comes from Luke 2, beginning with verse 21. 
After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the lesson that I'll be preaching on this Sunday, December 31st, the first Sunday in Christmas. And so, and so Christmas continues. And um, my sermon isn't fully developed yet, but I'm um, just so moved by uh, these two prophets, Simeon and Anna. And it reminds me of any time a child is baptized in church. Now, this was a dedication which was for the, for the circumcision, and the baptism will come later. But it has the same kind of a feel you know, the presentation of a little baby, a newborn baby to be baptized and to be brought into the life of the community. And you just see so much of the community here. There's no, there's no real discussion about officials. You know, there's no real discussion about priests. Um, it's about, so to, so to say, the, the congregation and these and the these elderly folks, these um, these prophets, Simeon and Anna, and it's just like in it's just like in church when a little baby comes for baptism, 
And there might be an elderly man and an elderly woman so thrilled, you know, so thrilled at this, at this new life. And uh, they're such an important part of the, of the life of the, of the church. You know, we, rightly, we put so much emphasis on, on the children. We absolutely should do that. They absolutely are the future. <laughs> but there's such a treasure in uh, our seniors uh, and our people who are, well, um, we didn't get Simeon's age, but we got Anna's. The scripture itself says, what did it say, 84? Yeah, she's 84 years old. And we have lots of 84-year-olds, don't we? And um, they have so much, you know, so much to offer. And even when they reach that age and they see a young one being brought into the life of the church, they realize, I might not be around here for it, but this church has a, has a future uh, because of this child and uh, other children like this child. Uh, especially when um, those children are children of God. So that's just a little taste of, the, of this Sunday. I told uh, Pastor Andy I wouldn't go 45 minutes without him. Probably couldn't do it, but it's looking at my phone right here. It's already 37 minutes. And so thank you so much. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas Eve and a, and a wonderful Christmas Day. I, uh, hope, I do hope you have a happy New Year. Uh, so I'll say that, but just as a reminder, Christmas isn't over. This is our time. This is our time when the rest of the culture puts the Christmas tree away and packs up all the decorations, uh, moves on, that we still celebrate Christmas. We still celebrate the, the coming of Jesus in the flesh. Uh, the incarnation. God with us. Emmanuel. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. This has been the Pastor Podcast with Randy and Andy. You are welcome to join us at Methodist Temple in person or online. Methodist Temple is at 2109 Lincoln Avenue in Evansville, Indiana. Our traditional Sunday morning worship service is at 830 with our contemporary service at 11. Log on to our website at methodisttemple.church. We see Christ in you.